Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. Thanks for tuning in. This is the 178th edition of the program. Over the next two broadcasts, I will be featuring audio recorded at a panel called Art in Action, the 2012 Quebec Student Strike. This was a live event that took place at Concordia University in Montreal, Giogiage, which I facilitated. And it looked at the ways that arts and artists were a central part to the 2012 student strike. For some background, in Quebec uh, in 2012, there was a massive student strike that was protesting the efforts by the Liberal government in Quebec at the time to boost tuition for public universities. There was a major battle that ensued, which saw months of protests, but also the expansion of a very specific demand to halt the increase in tuition into a larger campaign to critique neoliberal economics in the context of Quebec, meaning the cutting of support for public institutions like universities or healthcare, but also thinking about the economic model dominant in Quebec that is an extractivist model, meaning a reliance on mining, forestry, largely in the north of what is called Quebec, within territories that are indigenous, but also policies of extractivism that are rigorously protested by indigenous people. Also, environmental justice groups that joined the student strike in 2012 were calling out this idea of immediate profit as a social program, as not sustainable. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, mining or forestry have detrimental environmental in- impacts, but also that is not a real uh, sustainable policy thinking about generations to come of creating economic viability that is balanced and equitable for all. So these were some of the issues that were at the forefront of this student strike protest that very much was at the heart critiquing capitalism as it is manifested today in Quebec. Ultimately, the student strike was successful in halting the proposed tuition hike. This was a major victory for grassroots organizing, community-based organizing, and social movements. So I invited uh, people to participate in a panel to share their experiences about this moment and particularly the ways that they use the arts to be a part of this movement, uh, student strike movement in 2012. So there's a lot of reflections that were shared and over the next two editions of Free City Radio, I will be sharing the voices of people at this panel. We will today hear from David Widgington on disciplinary artist is the uh, byline that David shared. He has worked really hard over many years to document and archive posters of social movements and also to document banners and placard signs, handmade, hand-painted, drawn placard signs that are essential to social activism. Also, we will hear from Zea Bolio April, who is a musician and a poet. During the student strike, she was part of the Fermai Collective. This was a group of poets and literature students at UCAM, the Université de Québec à Montréal, the Quebec University in Montreal, who published weekly zines of participants of the student strike and talked about their experiences um, being at these protests, reflections in poetry. So, The next two editions of Free City Radio will 
feature audio from this event. And the event was taking place in the context of a series that I organized at Concordia as part of an archiving project supported by the Social Justice Center. And this is an archiving project highlighting the voices and materials of social movements. So I will go to this conversation right now on Free City Radio. I was a student at Concordia uh, during the strike. I was initially uh, going to, to research um, the development of the media in South Sudan since the end of the Civil War. So I started with that in mind and then halfway through, we, we voted to go on strike for, with the GSA and South Sudan was getting further and further away since I, I went to visit. So I decided to, to shift uh, my focus uh, because the energy was incredible uh, at the time for anyone who knows, uh, who, who participated in the strike or was around during the strike, it was massive. And just the wave grabbed me and, and brought me to it. So, um, yeah, so um, archiving, uh, Stefan was talking earlier, what's the use or what's the benefit of the 2012 student strike for now, for example, like how do, what uses of it uh, today? Uh, well, the archives, which I, the, I created an archive, uh, first on Facebook and then on WordPress on their site, and then I created my own website that I recently um, re redid for last year for the, the 10th anniversary. And it's, it's, it's printemps.net. Uh, so during the strike, I was basically gathering posters, banners, protest signs, uh, stickers, flyers, everything I could find live. And also a lot, of, a lot of it was digital. I'd go online every day and, and hunt for all the stuff that was made that day. And uh, I think I have over 3,000 or 4,000 artifacts that are digitally available online. Um, so the, th the thing about protest movements, they're usually, they're usually time-based or issue-based that, that sort of arrive when an issue is big and then it disappears. So th often the content or the material or the history of those events are usually presented by the media or, the, or those uh, of which the event was against, was opposed to. Because often the media, well, in 2012 anyway, mo most of the media was against the strike. All the, all, all the articles was, you know, denigrating the students. And so, so the importance of, of collecting an archiver, one of the importance is it allows us to tell our own story, our own history. We get to present it our way. So that was one of the reasons. The other reason is, is the ephemerality of protest movement artifacts. Um, for example, um, you know, posters get wheat pasted on buildings, uh, bus shelters, wherever. The winter comes, the rain comes, they don't exist anymore. Uh, and they're often all posted up. Sometimes they're not, which is good. Uh, protest signs are usually, you know, for one event, one protest, and then they're discarded. And there's one, I forgot to turn this on. <laughs> Uh, and um, yeah, so they're often discarded. And one example, there's going to be a photo in, in there um, at one point. Like this photo, for example, is after the 22nd of March 
uh, strike as we're going into the metro towards near the end of the protest. There were hundreds and hundreds of protest signs just tossed before going in the metro because the police didn't let anyone take them into the metro. And also on Plage Jacques Cartier, I don't know if I have a photo in there of it. In Plage Jacques Cartier, there, there was these huge flower pots that had nothing in them yet because it was uh, mid-March. And people started putting the protest signs in the flower pots and ended up being hundreds of them like as though they were flowers of protest signs. And there's a, a good, um, pro a, a good uh, montage, image montage that says a beau champ de, pan de pancarte, you know, a, a nice field of, of protest signs, but also the minister of, of uh, education at the time was, was Lynn Beauchamp. Mm. So I had a really good play on words. It was a, an awesome meme at the time. Uh, so, so um, yeah, so the, it's the ephemerality of, of the things that's important to keep it. Um, also, uh, w w during my research, I went to the uh, Bibliothèque et Archives Nationales du Québec to see what they had as far as protest movement or social justice movement uh, posters. And um, so I did, I did research. I, I looked, you know, I did uh, keyword searches. And um, for example, do I have the numbers here? I don't have the numbers. But they didn't have very much. They had a lot of posters, but it was all mostly cultural posters of, you know, theater or music and things like that. And one of the reasons that I discovered was they have a minimum poster format for their um, legal deposit requirements, and it's 1,300 square centimeters. So that's that's like the smallest that they that that by law you're required to submit. And protest movements, uh, they often use 11 by 17 paper format because you can photocopy it easily. Student unions have photocopy machines that you can just like run them off and it's 11 by 17 and that is only 1,206 square centimeters so it doesn't fit into their mandate to, to collect. So that's another, that, so that shows you know, the power dynamics and the interest of, of official institutional archives and their disinterest in uh, political social movements. And also there's the idea um, of, you know, changing governments, uh, shrinking budgets. The archives could decide they don't have enough space for things. What would they discard first? Probably stuff that they consider less important. And I would guess it would be social justice movement artifacts. So, so it's another reason why it's important for social movements to collect their own and archive their own material. But then what do you do? Like what, what is an archive that people collect? Um, the one I made is online. There's some examples here. People can look at, here's an example of uh, activation of an archive. You can pass it around. Maybe uh, describe quickly what we're It's a series of collector cards the size of like baseball cards. And it has a ver 66 different artifacts that's representative of the variety. And on the back of the cards, there's whatever information I know about the artifact, where it's from, the, the date it was made, uh, the size, things like that, who the artist is. Um, yeah, so, so there's different types of archives. Uh, there's, there's like a, a formal archive like the one I created online at printerab.net, but there's also different types of archives 
uh, one of them is one type is called a shoebox archive, and that's like the personal archive where, oh, you like this particular poster, so you keep it at home. Uh, maybe you 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 put them aside, or you, you or you put it on your wall. You know, you you, you put it on display, and um, and what's interesting about that is is that you you have like a personal um, attachment to the poster to the event that it signifies to whatever memories that it that it holds for you but also when pe when your friends come over when people are visiting it, it could uh, initiate conversation and i'll get back to the the importance of that sort of thing uh, later um, and it also allows um, by having personal collections it allows us to to create uh, our own identity as as a, a an activist or or you know social social justice uh, uh, yeah activist I guess uh, so yeah it gives identity a sense of community when people see it it goes oh I was there so when you share those experiences with others you you get a sense of belonging with others so it creates like a sense of of what you are related to protest movements. Um, there's also other places like um, uh, book fairs, uh, the Anarchist Book Fair of Montreal, the Exposine. Uh, there's there was a, a zine fair last weekend, Anarchist Zine Fair. Those are places where posters are often redistributed. They're sold or given away, and zines and different stickers. So it's also a place where people get also can get a sense of belonging or uh, from those events. Um, Oh yeah, so so uh, collections that you, that people have, uh, yes, they're part of memory, but the archive isn't isn't only about memory, or it's memory is just a minor part of it. It's actually more of, of the idea that your your store it's more of a storage space, not for memory, but because memory is looking past. But when you're storing things, it's always it's always based on looking t for the future. You store things for future use. So my perspective of an archive is for that uh, reason, is that reason is that uh, we're not, we're, it's, not a, it's not for purpose of nostalgia. An archive, yes, it does that, but that's not the role. The role is to get inspired, to, to remember, to feel like you belong or you had belonged and you want to re-belong in order to you know, reactivate and want to pursue more activism. And, and that comes from a theory that I, a, a ritualistic performance theory that I came across um, during my research at uh, my master's. And what basically that is, it's a, by Victor Turner. He came up with the idea um, and he transferred it to theater where there's the rehearsal phase, then there's the performance phase, and then there's the, what, uh, the um, re-aggregation phase. It's when you get you, you reconnect together to talk about how the performance was, mm -hmm. so that when you perform the following night, it's you've had a chance to improve, because you know you're, it's it's a it becomes like a loop. So I transferred it to activism, and where activism where you, when you're on the streets, well I guess I'll start uh, like the rehearsal phase in activism, is when. Um, well, the rehearsal phase is in the ritualistic performances when you separate yourself 
from daily normal activity to do to prepare for a ritual. Uh, so in theater, it's when you do rehearsals. You know, you leave, you stop eating, cooking, and you go and you do rehearsal for the performance. With activism, it's when you go to uh, a general, a union, uh, student union general assembly, and you, you're voting to go on strike. For example, that would be a rehearsal phase. Uh, or when you're you're painting a banner, you know, you're painting the banner, or when you're creating your slogans for for the, for for chanting in the in the protest march. Those are all phases of rehearsal. Uh, then the next phase is the performance phase of activism, and that could be when you're dur during the protest march, uh, if you're doing a blockade or you're doing occupations, uh, banner drops, or you're painting stencil on, on a wall, or you're wheat pasting. So you're actually performing activism. You're, you're actively in it. And the reaggregation phase, which is the role of the archive, which makes archive important, is the debriefing after the uh, activist performance. And on a short term, it could be, you know, after a demo, when everyone's like, spill it up, you, you have range, okay, we'll go meet in a bar. And so everyone, everyone goes to meet in a bar, and then you're, you're obviously all discussing what just happened in the protest. Um, it could be a bit longer term, or, or for example, if you're gathering outside a police station, after being arrested for everyone, you're waiting for everyone to get released. So that's another short-term reaggregation space. Um, a long-term reaggregation space, which, which I guess is more related to archiving, is when you go to, let's say, a, a film screening, fundraiser to, for uh, court costs, uh, legal defense, uh, an exhibit, a book launch, which uh, Norman is going to be doing at the end of the month, um, for example. And at these events, what an archive could be use, useful for, and you're, and you're seeing some events now, is, um, is to display some of the archives, to put them out there so that people, they're not just focused on the event itself, but they're also looking at the wider scope of what protest is and what, um, what protest was and how, thing, how things happened. So, so the role of the archive isn't to, isn't to store somewhere, let it gather dust, and maybe a researcher will come by some, in some future time to do some research and write a paper that few people will read. That's not the role of the activist archive. The role of the activist archive is to reactivate it and bring it out, constantly bring it out in public, and bring it out at events, and constantly bring it out so that people who might not, who might not have seen each other in a long time, it, it creates a, an instant link that makes them feel as though they belong to a movement, they're part of, a, of um, oppositional cultural heritage. So I won't end there. I was going to end there. But um, just to say, uh, in May of, of last year, uh, I organized with a with collective uh, an exhibit for the 10th anniversary of the strike. And it was at 2012 Rue Saint-Denis, which was a, uh, like a remarkable thing that we were able to do. It was, it, we didn't do it on purpose, but it just happened. So, but um, what was really interesting about it was, um, I guess, on the, on the opening night, it was packed. The place was packed. And yes, there was a bit of nostalgia, oh, you know, people remembering things. But there was always the discussion of, like, man, we, we need to, like, lift ourselves up and 
pull pull ourselves out of this COVID sluggishness and we like it really brought a, a, a potential momentum of people wanting to like get back involved into things so so the idea that of of having those elements there i think kind of was successfully put uh, the, the the theory in practice so i guess on there David Wedgington, um, your work has been so amazing over many years, not just for the student strike movement, but across other social activist mobilizations of keeping banners and keeping materials. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. Thank you. Um, Zaya, your presentation, do you need the computer? Uh, no, but I saw a lot of visual from people that I love very much. So if we could just start it over again. Okay, sure. Could you first introduce yourself and a little bit of, of the work? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Zéa Beaulieu-April, and uh, I was a member of Fermai. And what I wanted to talk about today was uh, telling the story of what we did and how it affects us emotionally and how we just surf through what was happening. Um, in January uh, 2012, we knew, when I say we, I'm talking about uh, mostly like five person, uh, four other people that were with me um, in the, um, we were uh, working for the crea creative writing uh, magazine at Lucam, and uh, we heard, like everybody, the rumor of the strike that was coming, and it was supposed to be a big one. Uh, so we thought maybe four weeks, maybe eight weeks. We had no idea what was coming exactly. Um, and, but we knew that we wanted to do something, and we knew that what we did at the time the best was maybe writing poetry, which is not um, maybe the most important thing, but that was what we did. So we decided that we would approach the strike with that uh, thing in mind. So we decided, we had that idea of um, publishing one zine. We, we had no idea what the zine was at the time, but a publication. <laughs> Uh, every week so that was the plan and we had no idea how we would be able to do it but um, what we knew that we had to do very fast was uh, writing a text that would explain a little bit what we wanted to do and read it at the general assembly where uh, all the students in art at Lucam would be and then um, we would be able to present our project and maybe receive uh, text and poem from people that were in that place at that time. And um, if you don't know, uh, the art student at Lucam, uh, we were one of the first to start the strike and also one of the last to end it. Um, yeah, but at that time we had no idea. So we just write that text and I would like to, I translate a bit of it, so I would like to write uh, just a little bit apart so you understand what we had in mind at that time. Oh, before that, um, the name of the zine was Fermai. And I think it's very important. We just found, find it uh, by chains in, uh, you know, 
paper dictionary, that, that old thing that we were still working with. And uh, it has two meanings. It, French, it's a word that nobody knows really, so it was really a new word for us. For us. And it has two meanings. The literal meaning is a clip, like a clasp, a jewel that uh, is used to close something, like a, a cloth. And the second meaning is an arrangement between several people. So for us, it was already interesting because we had it, it meant something that gets things together and also like you, you had that idea of people working together. So it was already interesting. But also when you, when you speak French and you heard that word like faire my, what you hear is faire like to do and my like a knit. So for us, it was also um, like to be enmeshed, but the meaning was more like arm to arm, you know, and we together, together. So we were very inspired by that, that word and we just wanted to put it out there and let the other people be inspired by it and um, bring their own, own meaning to, to it. Hmm. So this is a part of the, the first text that we write together. Fermai is born in the bosom of the strike to unite us against the rise in all its forms. The rise in tuition fees, of course, but also the rise in our individual and collective anxieties. Fermai brings us together between his speech to leave the room for the outpouring of what we were silent about yesterday. Fermai occupies us, disturbs us, stable us in the space of these pages, ready to say what we no longer say, except at the corner of a bar at this late hour of the night, when our face fall to the ground and the emotions rise on the edge. Fermai is against wild capitalism and his perverted taste for oil under the tie when we abuse the student, think about survival. Fermai engages us in our authenticity, both feet in the street. Fermai is the space where we are, what we have to do. So we read it uh, at the General Assembly, and uh, that same day we um, met uh, the people from L'Ecole de la Montagne Rouge, who uh, they were also people who, who thought like what we are, what we do, we do design, so let's design for the strike. And we met, so um, we started collaborating together. They did like the design for the magazine, of course, but so many things that we saw uh, in the picture uh, are also their work. And it was that project just, just roll over the, the weeks and every Wednesday we receive the text. At the beginning it was just from a UCAM student and then it was from student in other university and then it was student in other cities and then it was from teacher and from people, uh, other people that were not student but as you know that student strike was so much bigger than just like the, the, the rising of the, the tuition. Those were reflections recorded at a panel called Art in Action, the 2012 Quebec student strike. This was part of a series of public events that I uh, curated at Concordia University last year as part of the Social Justice Center's archiving project. 
and this series of events attempting to look at the ways that the materials of social movements were expressed through posters and banners and flyers. Uh, this series of events will be documented here live on Free City Radio over the next edition of the program also next week, so stay tuned for that. Free City Radio is hosted and produced by me, Stefan Christoph. Uh, we air on CKUT 90.3 FM at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays, CGLO 1690 a.m. in Geogiage, Montreal on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg at 10.30 p.m. on Tuesdays. CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays. CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, BC on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. and Saturdays at 7 a.m. as well now on Met Radio 12.80 a.m. in Toronto at 5.30 a.m. on Fridays. You can find our archives at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. We are also a podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just look up Free City Radio. I hope you're doing well and I'll talk to you next week.